This morning we are going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We read from Exodus 16 and you'll find out in a few minutes why. But in Matthew chapter 6, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount in the Lord's Prayer and specifically verse 11, which says, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, In his book called The Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard offers a poignant illustration. I'm not going to, I'm going to put it into my own words, but consider yourself as a parent and, and perhaps you've been a parent, perhaps you're currently a parent with kids in the home or you want to be a parent someday or you think about it and, and consider, imagine walking into your child's room one day and they're off to school or something and you are getting something out of their closet and you find in the back of their closet um, piles and piles and piles of food food that they've been storing up, that they've been taking little, you know, rolls and different things, uh, candy bars and snacks, and they've been taking them and maybe bagging them up or wrapping in napkins and just stacking them in the back of their closet. And they've been doing this over the course of the month because it's a big hoard of food. What What would you think if that were to happen to you, if you were to find that in your child's room? How would you, how would you feel I know my usual reaction when I see something like that is like, what in the world? Like, <laughs> what is happening? Like, just the question, what? Many of you um, might go straight to just being simply brokenhearted. Because what's happening there is you have a child who's hoarding food because they're insecure for some reason. And so you might go, well, I'm, why would my child be brokenhearted? Because I provide for them, because I feed, for the, I feed them every single day. They have enough food, and yet for some reason they're hoarding this, and I don't think they're feeding a pet monster in the basement or something like that. Okay? Perhaps you would feel, along with being brokenhearted, you'd feel a sense of disappointment. And you wouldn't be disappointed in your child, for sure, you, but you would be disappointed that there's a lack of trust there, that there's a lack of, there's something wrong in your relationship with your child to where they felt like they had to store up food because they didn't know if they would be able to eat tomorrow. Many of you have had foster children. This, this may hit close to home because this is a, a phenomenon that's pretty normal with a lot of foster children who will come into a home. It's called food hoarding. And they've lived a young life where they've had to learn to fend for themselves. And they're not always sure when the, when the next meal is, is going to come and where it's going to come from. But, but this is an illustration, I think, which should put us in mind of this prayer that Jesus directs us to pray where he says, ask God, give us this day our daily bread. And it should cause us to consider if we treat God in the same way. If we hoard things, because we're not quite sure that our Father's going to provide for us tomorrow. We're not quite sure where our needs are going to be met and if he can do it. Now, when we read this verse, give us this day our daily bread, it's, it's really actually easy for us to spiritualize this verse and, and make it about spiritual food. But on a, on a very basic level, it's just a simple request. It's a simple request for our own needs to be met, asking God to provide for our basic needs, food and drink. Right? There, there's other needs, of course. We need shelter. We need a, a we need clothing. We need to be clothed. We, we, in some sense, need relationship. God made us for that. We're physical human beings that have been created by God with bodies that have physical needs. If you don't eat, you will die. 
If you don't drink, you will die. If you don't have shelter or clothing, it will not go well for you. And God has made us as physical beings with these physical needs, knowing that we need these things. And he knows and has a desire for us to know and to recognize our needs and to ask him to meet those needs. Now, later in this chapter, Jesus will expand on these same things, these same needs, and he'll encourage his disciples not to lose sleep over them. So if you look just to the right in verse 25 in your Bible, or down maybe, Matthew 6, 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. And I think what's difficult when we, when we come to a passage like this for us 21st century Americans is the fact that we actually have these physical needs. Right? That we actually, we actually need food. We actually uh, need water to survive. And sometimes we forget the fact that that is the case because we have so much. We might come to this petition, give us this day our daily bread, and we think, oh, well, that's covered. I got a pantry full. I don't need to worry about that. We don't, we don't wonder often when our, where our next meal is going to come from, and, and we're mostly just curious what the next meal is going to be. Is it going to be chicken, or is it going to be beef? Is it going to taste good? Where am I going to eat it, and am I going to be able to have seconds? Right? But remove yourself just for a moment from the world of well-stocked pantries and into a world where where hunger was the norm. And, And when the next day's bread was not always guaranteed. This was the world, this was the experience of many of the people to whom Jesus spoke. They had no wealth to speak of. They didn't own land or houses. They may not have even owned any animals. They oftentimes worked as day laborers, and at the end of their day's work, if they got work for that day, they would get paid for the next day's bread. Or sometimes they would get paid with the next day's bread. And so Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. It could also mean give us today the bread we need for tomorrow. Because we're not quite sure if it's, if it's going to come or not. So Jesus was speaking to these people who, in a sense, lived hand to mouth. They lived day to day. And for them, hunger was always only a day away. And tomorrow's bread was a matter of life and death. So in one sense, we have to put ourselves into that mindset. What would it mean for us to have needs that must be met by tomorrow? And I'm not sure where that's going to come from. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, three biblical stories really come to mind and provide for us a context in order for us to understand this request that we make of God. So we're going to walk through these first three biblical stories, and Steve just read the first one from Exodus chapter 16, where the people of Israel are in the wilderness, and God provides for them this manna, and he provides it for them every day for 40 years. They go out and collect it. And here's how the story begins. If you go back there, leave a finger in Matthew 6, but if you go back to Exodus, second book of the Bible, chapter 16, I didn't have him read the first three verses, but here's how it goes. It says, They set out from Elim, and in all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which doesn't actually mean sin, that's just the name of it, 
So it doesn't mean that they were sinning all the time, although in this story they do, so maybe, maybe there's a connection, I don't know. So the wilderness of sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So get the, get the days in your mind here, okay? So about 40, 45 days. They've been out in the wilderness. They've probably eaten everything they brought with them, right? Everything that's been in their bags, everything that they provided on the way out, everything that, that the people of Egypt gave them. They've eaten those things. 45 days, your food's run out, you're getting hungry, It says the the whole congregation, verse 2, of the people, the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. That's how the story begins. And then God comes on the scene and says, okay, I'm going to provide for them meat, I'm going to provide for them food, and it's going to happen every day, and here's how it's going to happen, and that's how it happened for 40 years, day by day by day. So so catch all the elements in this story. Implicit in the story is God's desire and his intention to provide for the people. So it didn't get to day 45, and the people said, hey, we're hungry. And God said, oh, what? I forgot. God's intention from the very beginning was to provide this manna for them. And he was testing them in a sense that Moses points this out. Jesus will point it out in Deuteronomy 8 that he was testing them to see if they would trust him. He was testing them even to see if they would ask him. But instead of coming with a petition, God, would you feed us? They come with complaints. When they become hungry, when when they begin to suffer, when they're heavy into suffering, instead of asking, they grumble because they're hungry. But when God gives them the food... They also, it's not just that they're complaining and grumbling, they actually fail to trust him. So the, the story continues and it says, Moses said to them, no one, let no one leave any of it over till morning, after they'd collected it, verse 19. They go, to go out and collect some every day, eat it that day and not leave the leftovers. Verse 20, but they did not listen to Moses. And some of them left part of it, Until the morning, and and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. But morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. And God's intention was for them to get enough for that day, not to leave it over and to trust him to give them more the next morning. This story is really a poignant illustration for how we relate to God in his provision for us. Do we grumble? Or do we ask? Do we take things into our own hands or do we trust? The second story I'd like to look at, and we're going to go through these fairly quickly. The second story is actually in Matthew chapter 4. So just a few chapters before the Lord's Prayer. We talked about this a couple months ago when Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And how long does he go out for without food and without drink? It's about how long the Israelites were out there when they started grumbling, right? About 40, 45 days. He's out there 40 days, 40 nights, fasting. And when he's hungry, the devil comes to him and tempts him. 
to take matters into his own hands. And the first temptation is, why do you take these rocks, since you're God, since you're the son of God, why don't you turn these rocks into bread for yourself and feed yourself? But, but even in his hunger, Jesus responds to this temptation by quoting the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 3, which says this, and God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. Did you get that? He let you hunger and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that, you, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So Jesus is responding to Moses by, by pointing out, like, instead of grumbling and taking things into my own hands, I'm going to give thanksgiving. I'm going to ask God. I'm going to wait for his provision, and I'm not going to complain or grumble or take things into my own hands, but trust in my Father's goodness and my Father's timing to provide. And, and Jesus conquers, if you will, he conquers the devil in that temptation in the wilderness. The third and final story will come after Matthew chapter 6. And actually, it happens twice in the book of Matthew where Jesus is out in the wilderness. He has a few loaves and a few fishes, and he multiplies them miraculously in order to feed crowds of over 5,000 and then over 4,000. Now, this is one of the few stories of Jesus' life that gets passed down and recounted in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in fact, in Matthew and Mark, the story gets doubled. It gets repeated. So this story gets told six different times. And when things are repeated in the Bible, that means, hey, pay attention. There's something that God wants us to know, that he wants us to learn. It's important for us to understand this story if we want to know who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. Okay, so here are Jesus and his disciples in crowds, again in the wilderness, in a wild place, away from towns and cities. And thousands of people have come to Jesus to be healed and to be taught. And in his compassion... Like I said, Jesus takes a few loaves and a few fishes. He distributes them through his disciples amongst the crowd, and everyone has plenty to eat. And so in this story, if an Israelite is reading this story, they're, they're recognizing echoes of the manna story, of God, Yahweh, in the wilderness, providing bread for his people. And here Jesus does it, not once, not twice, but we have six recountings of this story. Jesus providing for his people. In the story in, in John, Jesus actually follows up this episode uh, with a conversation with the people, and he begins to refer to himself as the bread of life. He is the manna that's sent from God. And so, so, so not only is Jesus the provider of the bread we need, not only does he provide for our needs, but he is the very bread that God gives to his people. He is God's best provision for the deepest needs of his people. So we take those three stories. And I think in those three stories around this petition, give us this day our daily bread, this provides us with three realities about how and why we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And the first is this that God has the ability to provide for all of our needs. 
This is what we see here. This is the simple, bare fact that God has the ability. He is able. He can do it. He can provide for all of our needs. Another way of saying this from our perspective is that we are radically dependent. We are completely and utterly dependent on God's goodness and God's grace and God giving us everything that we need. Now, that's difficult to hear in a culture in which self-sufficiency is one of the highest virtues, right? And dependency of any kind is often seen as morally suspect, even, even shameful. Now, I don't think Jesus is is disparaging hard work and diligence here. He's not saying, hey, if you really want to follow me, just sit on your couch and wait for everything to drop from the sky. That's not what he's saying. He's not encouraging his disciples to live off the system. But, but what he is doing is he's addressing both those who are diligent, those who work hard, and those who are lazy. So he's getting everybody in the room, right? I guess you could be right in the middle somewhere, but... <laughs> Usually we're either diligent or lazy. And for diligent people, we are prone to be self-sufficient rather than dependent. Diligent people are prone to be self-sufficient rather than dependent. I'll do it. Nobody will help me. I'll make my own life. I'll pull myself up by my own bootstraps and I will make it work. So diligent people tend to trust their own strength. They tend to trust their own abilities. They tend to trust their own work ethic. But Jesus would remind them, Jesus would remind you, if that's you, that everything you have is a gift. You go to work tomorrow, it's a gift. You have the strength to work tomorrow, it's a gift. You have the intelligence to make money, it's a gift. You have the abilities and even the willingness to work, that is all a gift. Without God, you have none of it. We're prone to self-sufficiency rather than being dependent. Jesus would call us to dependence. Well, on the other side of the room, we have lazy people who would view themselves as entitled rather than blessed. They lack a, a fundamental gratitude towards the gifts that they've received. And entitlement is an attitude that chalks everything up to what one is owed. The world owes me, or the church owes me, or the government owes me, or society owes me, or the universe owes me, or karma owes me, whatever. Whatever owes you, owes you. And you're entitled to whatever. And God would say, would you live in a state where everything you have is a blessing and a gift as well? And say, thank you for it, because you certainly don't deserve it on your own. So this petition, give us this day our daily bread, like the rest of Jesus' sermon, doesn't just address our circumstances. It doesn't just address our situation. It doesn't just address even our actions. At root, Jesus is getting at our hearts. He's always getting at our hearts. And sometimes our hearts are self-sufficient and proud. And other times our hearts are entitled and thankless. And God is simply asking us to recognize that he is the source of our life and then respond and live out of that appropriately. God wants us to know that he is the source of our life and to live out of that appropriately. Psalm 127 verse 2 is beautiful. It says this, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he, God, gives to his beloved sleep. 
We don't have to live lives of toilsome anxiety because God provides for us. God is the one who gives us everything. Now, we live, again, as I said before, in a day and age of well-stocked pantries, right? Growing retirement accounts, multi-million dollar insurance policies. We're, we're usually considered foolish or, or short-sighted if we're not planning for our future, right? Or planning even for our kids' future, planning for retirement, right? I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a father of five children, and I take it as a solemn responsibility to care for my family, to make sure that they're provided for, to make sure that they, they have what they needed, to make sure that tomorrow we're not out on the street, to make sure that they don't get hungry, that their bellies are full, to make sure that they have a roof over their head. So is Jesus asking us then when he says, depend on me for everything, depend on me for tomorrow's bread, is he asking us to completely forsake future planning? Should we not plan for the future? Should we not plan for tomorrow? Is this a, a divine prohibition against accumulating wealth, about, against having even like a savings account? Is, it, is, is Jesus saying, do not ever go to Costco and buy in bulk? <laughs> right? Does Jesus expect those who truly have faith to not keep any manna overnight until tomorrow? Well, I don't think so. Because first of all, this is not a command, it's a petition. It's, it's, he's putting words in our mouth to ask something of God, which reflects on, again, what he's getting at, which is the condition of the kingdom heart. How are we postured towards our heavenly father? What does a right relationship of trust look like? And just like the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shines a light on our heart attitude and our postures before him rather than laying down rules of religious conformity. And what he wants for us is to cultivate, even as we pray, even as we ask him for things, to cultivate a heart posture of humility and meekness and, and dependence and relationship. And so again, I'll quote Dallas Willard, who I think articulates this perfectly when he says this, quote, what hinders or shuts down kingdom living is not the having of such provisions, but rather the trusting in them for future security. So the question is, where do you place your trust? You know, there's a big difference between walking into your pantry and and looking at the food on the shelves or opening up your brokerage account and seeing how much it's grown this year or like the man in Luke chapter 12 who just had to build some bigger barns to store all his stuff. It's one thing to look on all those things and say in your heart on the one hand, look how well I've done for myself. I am pretty amazing. And on the other hand, to, to look at all those things and say, thank you, God. I praise you for your provision for me. I pray you for, for giving all these things to my family that we do not deserve. I, I, I thank you for always taking care of me in your ways. And now, what do you want me to do with all of this? Those are two completely different heart attitudes, two completely different postures towards the things that God so graciously gives to us. 
God has the ability to provide for all of our needs. Secondly, God desires to provide for all our needs. So not only is he a God who can, he's a God who wants to, and he's a God who will. Here's the point. We are cared for by a loving father who knows our needs and will provide for every one of them. We are known, we are cared for by a loving father who knows our needs and will provide for every one of them. Now, this is, this is light years away from what many preachers on TV will tell you. This is called the prosperity gospel. God, this is what I want. Name off all the things. And if you have enough faith, God will give it to you. You want a Tesla? Get a Tesla. You want a Ferrari? Get a Ferrari. You want a bigger house? You want a second house. You want a third house? You want that wife? Okay, I'll get you that wife. Just have enough faith. That's called the prosperity gospel. And it's all over in our culture. And we have to watch out for it and, and listen for it and not buy into it. Just because God provides for our needs does not mean that he is going to provide for our greeds. Okay? So when it comes to our relationship with God, we live out of a scarcity mindset oftentimes rather than an abundance mindset. And again, this isn't the prosperity gospel. But when we live out of scarcity, we can, we can go into dangerous places, some of which we already hit on. I'll, I'll throw a few of them up there. We can become entitled, thinking that we deserve, are deserving of whatever we need and for whatever we want. And so it's God or the world or the government or the church. All these things owe us, and we need to get those things. We can live like the Israelites out of a, out of a posture of complaint. So instead of asking God, instead of, instead of petitioning him, we grumble when we don't get what we think we need. Or, or what we think we're entitled to. Scarcity will also send us oftentimes to greed. When we feel like things are scarce, we grasp for and we store up more than we actually need. And, and stinginess is another way because we don't want to go without. We end up neglecting generosity and we hoard God's abundance instead of sharing it, which is selfishness, focusing on our own needs rather than the needs of others. And at the root of all these things, at the root of, of seeing God as, as being scarce towards us, is a lack of three things, and they're trust, contentment, and gratitude. We're just going to go through these one at a time. Trust, contentment, and gratitude. So when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, this is a prayer of trust, recognizing that God is the provider who knows exactly what we need. God knows exactly what we need. He knows our needs before we ask them. Jesus has already said that. And to pray this prayer in trust is recognizing that. Psalm 141 says this. I love this. This is beautiful. You cause, God, you cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. God provides all of these things. He provides the food that we need, the, the food for everything on the earth. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. God is a God who abundantly provides for 
all of his creation. And we can trust him, not only because of that, but because he is a father who knows all of our needs before we ask them. And he promises us that when we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to us as well. Secondly is contentment. So trust, contentment. Give us this day our daily bread is a prayer of contentment. It recognizes that whatever God gives is exactly what we need. Whatever God gives is exactly what we need. Now that doesn't mean that God will give us everything we want. And he certainly won't give us everything that we demand. And I've stolen this quote already from D.A. Carson who says that we must pray for our needs, not our greeds. Proverbs 30 is is another beautiful Old Testament passage where the, the writer says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This is a prayer of contentment. God, give me exactly what I need. And who knows best what we need? God does. The Apostle Paul serves as as another example of this kind of contentment. Whether God's provision happens to feel like abundance or like scarcity, Paul said, I know, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in every, all, every, any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's the secret of contentment? It's the secret of looking to God. And knowing that he gives us exactly what we need. And then the final thing is gratitude. So trust, contentment, gratitude. And with gratitude, give us this day our daily bread is a prayer of gratitude in which rather than being entitled, we are astonished that God would give us anything. We're astonished that he would give us anything. Give thanks in all circumstances, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We'd be grateful people. So if anything, this verse should drive us to trust, contentment, and gratitude. But let me finish off with this third reality that we can see in all three of these stories we talked about at the beginning. Jesus is God's greatest provision for our needs. Jesus is God's greatest provision for our needs. So God desires to look to him with trust, with contentment, with gratitude, knowing that everything we have is from him. And as I said before, God has made us as physical creatures, right, with physical needs. So so food, drink, clothing, shelter, we need all these things, and we're to trust God to give us those things. But we're also spiritual creatures. We're physical and we are spiritual. We have physical needs, we have spiritual needs, and I believe that oftentimes God gives us these physical needs so that we know about our spiritual needs, He gives us hunger so that we know what it means to hunger for God. He gives us thirst so that we know what it means to thirst for God. He gives us things that we must trust him for in the physical world so that we will trust him with our spiritual needs. Our physical hungers and our physical needs all act as pointers to our our spiritual hungers and our spiritual needs. And ultimately, the greatest way that God has provided for our spiritual needs 
is in the person and work of Jesus Christ who said this in John chapter 6. He said, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And in all of this, Jesus again is pointing us, trust me, be content with what I give you, be grateful for everything. But if, if you get nothing else out of that, would you look to Jesus today to be the one that God has sent to provide for every one of our needs spiritually? To be the one to, that we look at to, to meet the desires and the longings of our soul and the one with whom we will be with for the rest of eternity if we place our trust in him. Jesus is God's greatest provision for our needs. Let's look to him now as we pray. Would you pray with me? Jesus, today we pray we pray to your Father and our Father, and we say, give us, Father, this day our daily bread. Give us the bread that we need for tomorrow. And Father, as those whose bellies are often full, as those who don't really usually need very much more, it's, it's difficult for us to be content. It's difficult for us to need to trust. It's difficult for us to look at these simple things and accept them and receive them with gratitude. But, but Father, I pray that you would work gratitude and trust and contentment into our hearts as we kneel before you, as, as we come before you and recognize your greatness, your goodness, your provision. More than anything, Lord, we thank you for Jesus who came and has become for us bread and sustenance and food for our souls that we might live eternally with you. God, we know, we recognize that there are many in this world who do not know where their next meal will come from. And we pray today that you would provide graciously and generously for them. Jesus, we're thankful that you have chosen to use us to meet the needs of children around the world by just sending these boxes. We know we're not sending them food. We know we're not sending them drink, but we're sending them something hopefully that will bring them joy, but more than that, that will bring them face-to-face with the words of Jesus. We'll bring them face-to-face with their maker and their creator. So we pray that as these boxes go, Lord, that the gospel would go with them, that you would take it to the ends of the earth and you would draw many, many people to yourself. Would you nurture, Lord, in us and in all of those who follow you a dependence, a trust, a contentment, a worshipful gratitude for all that we have and that it would flow out from us in a generosity that reflects the kind of kingdom heart that you want. We pray all this in your name and for your glory. Amen.